Well, get your Bibles out and go to the book of Isaiah. If you're a visitor here today, we promise to let you out before dinner. Nah, you'll, you'll, you'll leave and go, hallelujah. What a wild place. We got to go back. Isaiah 43. Let's go to Isaiah 43. I love the word of God. I love the word of God. I love the word of God. We've been on a sermon lately on Isaiah about the fact that God is changing something in the church and in the world. And we're going to get into another very big one today, one of the, one of the biggest. So let's pray quick. Father God, thank you. As I open my mouth and minister the word, it'll be the word, uh, your word, and anoint my lips, anoint me to speak it and our ears to hear it, and we'll be doers of it in Jesus' name, amen. Isaiah 43, 18, it says, Do not remember the former things, nor consider the things of old. Behold, I'm going to do a new thing. Talking about the church and this church and you. Now it will spring forth, shall you not know it? I'll even make a road in the wilderness and rivers in the desert. Now he makes a statement here. He says, I'm going to make a, a road in the wilderness. Now, if, if you've never been to Israel, and that's another thing I'm supposed to make an announcement. If you haven't signed up yet, get signed up. You, listen, it's worth it. You, you say, I don't have the money. Borrow it. It's worth it. You need to go. It'll change, it'll change your life. It'll change the way you read your Bible. So when you go there, when, one of the things that Lisa and I noticed when we went up into some areas of Israel, there's rocks are everywhere. I don't mean little ones. There's little ones and there's big ones. And then there's, there's bowling ball size and there's basketball size and there's boulders. And the landscape is loaded with these things. You could buy an acre of ground and have enough rocks to build a house. Wow. Now, here's the thing. You can't drive a truck through, down the, through the, a, a pasture. You, you'd never make it. You, you, there's boulders everywhere. You, you'd hit one, two, three, four, five. You, you, you can't go around them. They're everywhere. So, so the only way to get anywhere is walk on a burrow. And, you, and so for God to say, I'm going to make you a road, that means he's going to clear every obstacle in your way out. Amen. And the Jews understand that. To build a road in the wilderness is a big deal. That means you can actually drive someplace and get someplace because they've cleared out all the rocks and made the landscape. So God, God understands that if you're on this earth and, and, you, and you know what I'm going to say right now is true. If you're a Christian, everything for you hasn't been easy. You hit, you hit stuff all the time. That's why we're jumping and running and shouting at the devil. Because if you're going to live for God, you're going to walk by faith. You're gonna, if you're gonna, not walking by faith, you're defeated. There's stuff, the devil's doing everything in his power right now to stop you from living for God, reading, praying. He's, he's doing everything to stop you. He's attacking your mind, attacking your finances, attacking your family, attacking your job. And, and that's why the Bible says don't forsake the assembly. You need to be in church. You need to shout and run. You need to hear the word of God. You're in a fight. You fight. It's a good fight, but you're in a fight. And there's, and there's obstacles everywhere, but God said, I'm going to make a road for you in the wilderness. That means he's going to clear a path for your life and make it easier. That's incredible. 
that can't tell you the things that God has done for me since I've been saved that appeared impossible, but God made a way for me where there was no way. You know, I told you this before, and you guys know this. I, when, I grew, when I grew up in Athens, Georgia, um, you know, even though my grandfather was a professor of horticulture and my dad was a pilot, mom and dad were divorced. And dad was an alcoholic, and he hardly ever sent alimony checks, and we just grew up poor. And then when I got married at 18, that's intelligent. I didn't have any. To a 16-year-old, my life got harder. And, and folks, it was tough. So when I met Jesus, you understand, I only owned one pair of jeans. I only owned one pair of shoes. I didn't have any money. There's no way in the world that I have gone from a, a, a concrete blockhouse. And I say, I don't mean not stuccoed. The floor was concrete. There's no rug. There's no carpet. There's no hard. It was concrete floor, concrete walls. Pot-bellied wood stove in the kitchen, two-bedroom house, and, and four, five, six, eight people lived in it. And it probably wasn't over 600 square feet, the whole house. And we had a garden and pigs and cows, and you think that's a good life? <laughs> You're out of your mind. You raise up and go, I'm going to go feed the chickens. You don't feed the chickens. You'll cut the firewood and slop the hogs and mow the, it's, it's just work. And nothing romantic about it. The little house on the prairie was just work. So how do you go from that to preaching to 20 nations? There's a God. How do you go from that to owning your house and owning your truck and owning your car and owning your jet ski and owning your boat? And, 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 and how, do you, how do you do that? Well, you don't. God made a way. God, I got on a path. I got on his path. And before long, I was in Oklahoma. I didn't have any money, but I'm there going to school. And then I didn't have any money there. And I was, next thing you know, I'm in Orlando. Next thing you know, I'm getting a pilot's license. And I'm still broke. Every time I got $50, went down and, and, flew, and, and jumped in an airplane and rented an airplane and flew for an hour and put it in my logbook. And, and, and listen, before long, I'm flying all over the earth. There's a God. Now, I wouldn't trade my life. I wouldn't trade what God's done in me for anything on the planet. I'm so glad I got on his path. But he said this to me. He said this, and this is my point. Now, listen to the point. He said the church in the future that's starting now is going to go down two. There's two paths the church is going to go down. One of them is going to go down God's path, and the other one is going to go down, is going to walk away from the things of God. Now, listen, listen to what I'm about to say to you. We're living in a generation now very different than 15, 20 years ago. When I was a kid in school, the worst thing we did in high school was chew gum. Not now. The whole world's different. The world is flaunting sin. The, the, the guy running for president and, and, his, and his wife, that's, that's sick. Murdering, aborting a baby after it's been born? Have y'all lost your minds? That, folks, when, when did aborting a child after he's born is abortion because the mother has rights. You had a right not to get pregnant, honey. I'm sorry. But now the world today, they're not just in sin. I mean, they're by God cramming it down your throat. 
And here's the sad part. We've got Christians that are acting like them and going down that same road. Don't you walk in no my church and preach on sin, make people uncomfortable. Oh, honey, it's happening everywhere you go. Pastors, they don't preach on sin. They, they, want, a, they want their church to grow. They want people to feel comfortable. Well, I got news for you. The Holy Ghost will not always make you comfortable. He'll comfort the afflicted, but he will afflict the comfortable. If you don't think so, you don't know Jesus. He went in a temple one time, and right before he preached the sermon, decided he's going to whoop booty. Folks, that's Jesus. You, you know, the, the church has a different Jesus. Now, now listen, listen, just listen to me. In the wilderness, when the children of Israel came out, and they bait a calf. Do you know what they named the calf? Jehovah. See, y'all didn't know that. See, they didn't want Jehovah, Jehovah. They wanted a Jehovah they made. See, they don't, the church today preaches Jesus. It ain't the same Jesus in that book. You say, we believe in Jesus. You don't believe the same Jesus I believe in. So that there's, there's a divide happening right now in, in Christianity. And I thought the Lord was going to say it's going to be a division over the Holy Ghost or division over, over healing. It's not. It's a division over living right versus not. And here's what's going to happen. The, one, the, the church, there are people who are born again, spirit-filled Christians, and they're going to get on fire for God. They're going to live squeaky clean, love Jesus, and get right in the middle of the will of God. They that know God will do exploits. And you're going to see this divide. We're going to sit and watch it happen. I was, I was watching the internet the other day, and there was a preacher got invited to a mega church someplace. And he got there and found out that the pastor had a husband. And he says, you, he said, you knew that we were, uh, uh, what do you call it? What's it called when you're that stupid? Um, <laughs> accepting. God told Cain, if you do right, you'll be accepted. If you ain't, if you ain't doing right, you ain't accepted. Well, I want you to accept me. No, accepting you. Do right. Straighten up and live right. Get right with Jesus. We'll accept you. If not, I don't have to buy into what you're doing. I don't even have to like you. I got to love you, but I don't have to like you. And now, if you, if you preach like me, you're a homophobe. Whatever that means. Well, I ain't changing. I'm out of the closet. I'm a tongue-talking, devil-chasing, holy-rolling, pistol-packing preacher, and I'm out of the closet. And I'm about to get worse. You know, I'm not just a Christian here. Um, um, Jim Posey and Nikki Posey are in the service this morning. Well, you, you all know I shoot competition pistol. And we show up at the competition and they have a moment of silence. What's a moment of silence? I don't even know what that is. And it's run by Christians. So you know what I did? Yeah, yeah I did. I walked up and I said, why don't y'all pray? Yeah, amen. 
And the, and the president's a Christian. And the match director's a Christian. And they went, I don't know. And he said, well, you want to pray? I said, yes. And I don't pray no wimpy. Y'all know. So I stood up yesterday and I talked to about Israel and was it yesterday? Yeah, yeah it was yesterday. Well, I didn't get to shoot because I was going to Caleb's graduation and I couldn't shoot and go to Caleb's and I couldn't get my job done. And Lisa and I's anniversaries was Friday. And so we were doing something. So, to, so after church today, we're gone. In case y'all don't know it. That's why there's a kayak in the back of my truck. <laughs> so you call me between now and Wednesday. We'll be back Wednesday. We ain't answering the phone. So anyway. So what was I talking about when I said that? Oh, oh, oh. So I'm over there and I said, all right, everybody, let's talk about Israel. How, how did America win its freedom? God, guns, and guts. You got the guts, you got the guns, you need God. Let's pray. All them brand are going. I love men, but I sure like it when they act like men. I think every man should carry a gun, ride a motorcycle. On my motorcycle, it said, born again to raise hell, R-A-Z-E. I sold that motorcycle and was down here at a motorcycle shop, and I had a politician in the city, took a picture and said, I just saw a motorcycle that reminded me of you. <laughs> he took a picture of my old tank, and I said, that was my old bike. <laughs> you know how many people walk by and go, what's that mean? I said, I'm tearing hell up. Every morning when I wake up, I cast out devils. They went, whoa. I said, all right. How'd I get off on all that? There's two, there's two paths and the church is on them. You're on one of those. You're on one of those paths. I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to believe God for you to get on the right one. The one that God has for you in the wilderness. All right, if you would, go with me to 2 Corinthians 5. This is going to be an awesome morning. And I'm going to tell you this. I'm fixing to change your life. Uh, on, honest to God forever. 2 Corinthians 5. I don't get up here and play games. I don't, I don't have time. I, I got too much to do with my life to sit here and play a game with you. And when I come up, I don't have some, I always a little baby sermonette. I had no sermonettes. As a matter of fact, I always come with enough notes to keep going to dinner. So I say, 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 9. Therefore, we make it our aim, whether present or absent, to be well-pleasing to him. We must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, that each one may receive the things done in the body, whether what is done, whether good or bad. Now listen to me. Jesus at the cross took care of where you will spend eternity, but he did not take care of how you will spend eternity. You determine that. Now, Amy, you never heard that before. I want you to think about time. Scripture says that a day is as a thousand years as a thousand years is as a day. What would you do if I said to you, however you live tomorrow from the time you wake up till you go to bed will determine your paycheck, your income for the next thousand years. Wow. Would you straighten up? Oh, yes. uh, you, you're crazy if you don't. One day. Do good. Don't criticize anybody. Be nice. Be easy to get along with. 
Love people, do good to people. Some of y'all ought to go to a nursing home and help people out. Some of you ought to actually come to church and go work in the nursery. You ought to just do something one, just, just one day. How long is forever? Say long time. It's a long time. Do you know what determines forever? How you live here now. Your life right here on this earth is a moment. It says it's a vapor. It's a match you struck and lit and it went out that for, for a thousand years, a long time. 10,000 years, a long time. A million years, a long time. 70 is nothing. All you're doing here now is preparing for eternity and most Christians don't even know what they're doing in a thousand years or where they're going to be and never even read the Bible to make sure they're going. Biggest day of your life is when you die. That's the biggest day of your life. Because you either got Jesus or you don't. You better know what you're doing. And you better go to a church where they're not lying to you. If you're in sin and you're in my church and you're comfortable, slap me. Because I'm a failure. Now, I didn't say I didn't love you. Get out of it. You're going to hell. I'm going to preach a sermon one Sunday morning. I'm going to do it in here. And I'm not going to tell you when. And I'm going to bust eternal security's chops. There is no such a thing as eternal. You can be born again and, 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 and you fall away from God and you can go straight to hell. You don't believe that? You do not read your Bible. You're a hypocrite. There's a dozen scriptures telling you it would be better if you had never known the Lord. Don't you tell me there's no such thing as you falling away. Why do you think you have church? So why do you think you pray in tongues? You need it. You better pray in tongues. Build yourself up on your most holy faith. You've been praying in the Holy Ghost. Keep yourself in the love of God. Why do you think you have church? You run aisles and jump pews and shout and holler. You need it. Why do you think devil? Now listen to me. I know I hear. I know I made you mad. The denomination that preached it told you tongues was of the devil. Well, they were wrong. Then they told you God don't heal anymore. They were wrong. They're wrong about most of the stuff they preach. Now, I didn't say that if you did something wrong, you die and go to hell. That's wrong too. And that's not my sermon today. It got quiet in this Presbyterian church. Why do you think the devil messes with you at all? To stop you. You better make up your mind right now. I'm going on. Every morning you wake up, you jump out of bed. You jump out and you sing and shout and holler and pray in the Holy Ghost. I don't care how you feel, do it anyway. Come on, anyway. The Bible says we're going to stand before the judgment seat of Christ. Now, here's the thing. He didn't say that you're standing before your sins. Not your sins, but your deeds. You're going to be, you're going to be judged for what you did and didn't do, good and bad. Now, I don't know about you. How many football players we have in here, guys who play football? How many of y'all made a letter... Had a letter jacket in high school. Come on, there's got to be one man in here that had a letter jacket. Did you know Lisa had a letter jacket? Did you know that? In Boone High School. Volleyball. That's a big deal. 
You know, they have ceremonies where kids try out for sports and they try out for sports and not everybody makes it because they don't, they don't put their heart in it. You want to, you want to play on the big dog team. You're going to change the way you live. Not everybody makes team. Now, now listen to me. The judgment seat of Christ is when you're getting a letter jacket. And, and, I'm, and I'm not trying to hurt your feelings, but there's people, Christians are going to sit in the auditorium and they will never call you to the front. I'm just reading the Bible, guys. I'm just, I'm going to show you in a minute. He said, I'm coming back and my reward is with me. That's not eternal life. He's not talking about the reward of eternal life. Jesus got that. You got that. Someone said, I don't have to go to church. You're right, you don't. I don't have to pray. You're right, you don't. I don't have to witness. You're right, you don't. But I'm going to tell you a little secret. There's no reward when you die. You're going into eternity with nothing. Forever. That's your paycheck. Woo. Someone say hallelujah. Hallelujah. Hey, listen, I'm preaching this because y'all are still alive. Say there's hope. Yeah, I told you you're going to change. You're going to change. People are going to go, I'm changing right now. I am changing. <laughs> Why do you think we're having a banquet? To help Israel. If you've already got something to do, we'll go do it. But if you want to do something other than someone for yourself, I got something to do for myself, whatever that you do for yourself. Come on, I don't shout me down because I'm preaching real good. You know what I'm talking about. I've been pastoring 30 years. It's not my first rodeo. You know, the church, this church reminds me of a cowboy movie. The good, the bad, and the ugly. <laughs> and there's good people in here. There's good people. We got some fireballs in this church, baby. And we got some wet blankets in this church, too. They usually arrive late. Go to, second, go to 1 Corinthians chapter 3. Are y'all ready? Let's go. Come on, come on. I got y'all for another hour or two. If you can't stand it, get up and pretend like you're in the bathroom. Run out the door, jump in your car and speed away. We got your license plate. That's all right. I know y'all, I know y'all ain't going to do that. 1 Corinthians 3.8. Now he who plants and he who waters are one. And each one will receive... His own, say it, according to his own labor. We're not talking about your salvation. We're talking about a reward. What did you do with your life? What did you do with Jesus? What did you do with your tithe? What did you do with church? How did you treat your husband? How did you treat your wife? How did you raise your children? How, how did you live your life? You're gonna, you and I are going to give an answer to everything we did. There's an angel follows you around. Everything you do, he's writing it down. Everything. You give a cup of cold water, he writes it down. You chew someone out, he writes it down. You say, but I thought my sins were under the blood. They are, but they wrote that down. Right, let me ask y'all a question because some of y'all, some of y'all have got the, you know, all of my sins under the blood. Is there a book about David's adultery? They have yours in a book too. Come on, don't be stupid. Nobody said, David's forgiven. 
but we've been preaching on Bathsheba for 2,000 years. You think you're going to heaven and ain't nobody going to know about Bathsheba? But you don't want nobody to know about it. I told somebody one time, I said, do you want nobody to know about your sins? Stop. You will never catch me flirting with another woman. Because I don't flirt with other women. I have one and she's exceeding abundantly above anything I could ask or think. She is full bore, high test, Mustang female. And I, have, and I don't need two of them. And all the diamonds she wants, I am not putting diamonds on two women's body. And rubies and sapphires and clothes and cars and new and remodeling. I ain't remodeling some other woman's house. Listen, you ain't that pretty. You just ain't that pretty. Well, that may upset you a little bit. It's all right. Just get upset. All right, listen. Listen. For we are God's fellow work workers, you are God's field, and you're his building. According to the grace of God, was given to me a wise master builder. I got to behave now. <laughs> I have laid the foundation, another builds on it, but let each one take heed how he builds on it. Now listen to this. No other foundation can anyone lay that which is laid Jesus Christ. Now, you're not allowed to change the foundation. Amen. You can't change that. That's solid. You ain't nothing you can do about it. You got Jesus, it's either Jesus or nothing, and he determines where you spend eternity. But now let's talk about how you spend it. Let's, let's read on. Now, if anyone builds on the foundation with gold, silver, and precious stones, or wood, hay, and straw, each one's work will become clear for the day will declare it because it'll be revealed by fire and the fire will test each one's work of what sort it was. If anyone's work which he has built endures, he'll receive a reward. Say reward. If anyone's work is burned, he will suffer loss and he himself will be saved. Say thank you, Jesus. Yet as through fire. You say, well, thank God I ain't going to hell. Amen. But maybe, maybe we need to do some changing about how we live our life. We're not supposed to be sitting in this church, just listen to someone preach a sermon, and then tomorrow morning you have no idea what was preached because you showed up. It's supposed to change your life. God knows what you know. To him who knows to do right and does not not, it's sin. They know that. That's recorded. They know what sermons, they know what sermons you were supposed to be here listening to. That's written down. He's writing it all down. Jesus is not afraid of you. And he's not impressed with your money. Ooh. (laughs) It's amazing what we do. Look at Mark 9, 41. I'm going to pop it on the screen. For whoever gives you a cup of cold drink in my name because you belong to Christ, surely I say to you, he will by no means lose his reward. Let me tell you something. Everything anybody does for you. What do you think that scripture means in Ephesians? It says that that, uh, 
when we come to church, everybody has a part. Did you know there's people here who need what you have to give them? You know that? When you came in, you came not only to be blessed, but you are here to be a blessing. We can't have a church without a band. That's not, these, these, let me tell you something. There's guys up here that are faithful as rocks. Thank God for them. Kenny Robinson's been in this church a long time. And I'll guarantee you he'll be here next Sunday. You think that's light? That's not small. You think it's, I mean, it's a big deal. You think while we're preaching right now, now listen to me. There's, while we're preaching, there's, there's people who walk in off the street. They need a miracle. They need God. They're dropping their kids off. You say, well, I wanted to hear the sermon. If you've come to this church three years, you've heard everything I know. Go to work. I don't know anything else. All I'm doing is naming a new name and preaching it again. Y'all thought it was cool. I'm, I'm being serious. There's times that you need to, you don't need to always be sitting in church listening. You might want to come and give. You might want to come be a part of the, of the service. It's a big deal. It's a big deal to start teaching children the Bible when they're little. It's big. That's a big deal. These kids are coming out of, they come out of homes that are messed up and they, and they get in their bed at night and they're going, help me Jesus with my mommy and my daddy. And I tell you something, that's big stuff. You get in there and minister to those kids, teach them how to pray, teach them who they are in Christ. Yes. When Che was a little girl, there was a lady in our, in our apartment complex who was an alcoholic and a little girl came over one day and was talking to Che. I don't know if you remember the girl's name. And Che said, well, come in here in the living room. We'll pray about it. God will save your mom. And so we taught our kids the Bible. They knew the Bible. They, how old were you? Five, six years old? She wasn't that old. Four. And they came in the living room and bowed and, at, the, at the couch and prayed and said, God, save her mom. And so Che got up and said, it's done. Let's go play. <laughs> that night, that night, that woman's laying in the bed drunk. And her daughter comes in the bedroom and crawls up in her arms and goes to sleep on her, in her arms. And that little girl, while she was asleep, started crying out to God, God, save my mother, save my mommy, save my mom. She's laying in the bed drunk with her daughter. She gets up, goes in the bathroom, kneels before the commode and pukes up all her beer and alcohol and on the commode lowered the lid and prayed and asked Jesus to come in her heart and be the Lord of her life. That night. Don't you tell me kids don't go through stuff. They go through stuff. She got born again and came and, t- and the next day came and Talisa and I and says, I, gave my, I got saved, I got saved, I got saved last night. Kids go through stuff. I remember being a kid. I thought a boogeyman was on the bed. You know all that dust? You know, you know, y'all know about the dust on the bed. If y'all don't have dust on your bed, you you have a good wife. When I was a kid, my parents told me, you know, they said, um, I said, is it true, mom and dad, that when you when you die, you go back to dust? They said, yes. I said, well, someone under my bed's been gone a long time. <laughs> but you know, when I was a kid, I, I never got out of bed at night. I stood in my bed and I jumped across the room because I was afraid a boogeyman would grab my feet. 
And then I'd run from the bathroom and dive from the end of the bed into my bed. I never dawned on me the booger man could come out and get me, but I, I just, but I wouldn't dare walk across the room at night. You know, kid, kids go through stuff. So you get up and you walk in there and say, I want to help these kids. That's, to, that's a big deal to God. That's a big deal. That's why Jesus made a big deal. He says, if you do, if you harm one of these kids, it'd be better if you're, if you were, uh, put a millstone around your neck and someone threw you in the ocean. He takes real serious. You messing with kids. So you think, well, I, I, you know, I, I'm busy. Why don't you come to church and help us? Why don't you work with the teenagers? The teenagers are going through more stuff now than I ever went through. The pressures on them, the, 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 the stuff they're hearing in school. Are you serious? It's insane. It would not, I would love to get a teenage body and walk into a school knowing what I know. They'd kick me out because I'd have it out with some teachers and the principal. When, when our kids were going to school, they came, our kids came home with a Harry Potter book once. I went down and walked in the principal's office. I said, is this what you want my kids to read? He said, yeah. He said, literature. I said, this is trash. I said, this is Satanism. And rebellion. You're teaching my children to rebel against authority? Who do you think you are, buddy? I said, you answer me. Witchcraft? Are you serious? Witchcraft in the school? You're teaching my children witchcraft? Right now in Halloween, they are killing babies in the woods, and that's what you're teaching kids in this school? I ain't afraid of no stupid principal. He said, well, your son doesn't have to read it. I said, my son's not going to read it. You can give him something else. You can flunk them. They're not reading the book. And they gave him another book, Winnie the Pooh or something. That's why they act like they do. One of them acts like Eeyore and one of them acts like Tigger. I'll let you figure that one out. <laughs> I didn't say that, did I? I did not say that. <laughs> in case you ain't figured out who Tigger is, he's in the sound booth. Woo-hoo-hoo! He has always been like that. He wake up in the morning, jump out of bed and go, woohoo! <laughs> it's my birthday. I got a balloon. It probably has a hole in it. Never mind. Can we take that off the CD? Oh, lots of work. <laughs> Luke 6.25. Did we go there yet? No, that's the one I didn't know what I did wrong. Go to 1 Corinthians 9.24. I wrote a wrong scripture now. Are you all okay? Everybody breathe. For do you not know those who run in a race all run, but one receives the prize? Run in such a way you'll obtain it. Everyone who competes for the prize is temperate in all things. Now they do it to obtain a perishable crown, but we an imperishable. What's it take to get a Super Bowl ring? A lot of work. What good is it? Well, for a while, pretty cool. Forever, nothing. So what's more important? Yes. Yeah, the Bama Seat of Christ, that, that'll be the, that, that's the Super Bowl party, baby. That's when you and I get to stand there, and they're going to call our name. We're going to give an account. I'm going to give an account of this church, you, 
The money? I ain't never stole none of y'all's tithe. I'll tell you. I ain't scared of y'all. I am scared of God, though. I am scared of him. Because I don't think he likes stealing. Especially his money. You don't steal his money. That's just not good. You put it in the tithe envelope, you can guarantee I didn't touch it. No, Lisa might have got some. I don't know. Lisa might have. <laughs> no, maybe Josh Brown got some of it. I don't know. No, i tell you this. Lisa, Lisa ain't, Lisa's like me. She, ain't, she, don't, she, she knows better than that. You know the scripture, give it, it shall be given. Taking it shall be taken. You steal, people steal from you. <laughs> I don't steal nothing. One year I bought Che a watch at K Jewelers and, um, and it had a guarantee in it and she lost it. She came to me, she said, dad, I lost my watch. I said, okay, it had a, it had a, it's, it's insured. I went down to K Jewelers and I said, my daughter lost a watch. That little class thing fell off and they gave her another one. Well, a few months later, we f- she found it behind the couch and I took it and boxed up the new and went down to K Jewelers and walked in. I said, well, here's your watch back. She said, why are you ringing it back? I said, it's not mine. She said, we wouldn't know. I said, I would. Yeah. Yeah. I know. Uh-huh. Right. I ain't going around with a stone and watch on my arm. That's right. That's true. And then and people like that, they give you stuff. It's not theirs to give you. Uh-huh. That's true. If, you, if someone in the store steals something and gives it to you, it's stolen. Yeah. Thank y'all for y'all. Just, just. Right. And you want to talk about lying a while? Ain't this thing as a white lie? A lie is a lie. Are you going to lie during the millennial reign? Why do you lie now? All right, we'll come over here. Are you going to be on fire for Jesus during the millennial reign? Why ain't you on fire now? You're not going to change. He who's faithful and least, you're being tested. This is a test. God is checking you out on what he wants to do with you forever. He can't trust you with $100. He ain't going to trust you with, with no planet. <laughs> I'm doing good. I know I'm doing good. It's getting quiet in here. I've seen ice on people. <laughs> Freezing them out. Revelation twenty two twelve. Let's read it. Behold, I'm coming quickly. And what? My reward is with me. To give to everyone according to his what? Not your salvation. And now I'm going to tell you a story. Now, Justin, I sent it to you this morning, and I didn't think it was cool to play it. But I got to tell you the story. Last night, after I was working on my sermon, I went home and I dug out my, my, my got my pad out and got an old Paul Youngie Cho. Years ago, I heard a story about a pastor in his church that died. And I'm going to tell you the story now. You're going to enjoy it. And he had this pastor and his, and, and his wife died and they had a funeral and, and, and you know, and buried his wife. And, and about a week later, the, the husband and the wife went back up to where the, the gravesite was, and the, and the top of the grave had cracked. Something happened to the, to the gravestone or something. And the children started crying and says, Mommy's trying to come back. Mommy's trying to come back. 
And he goes, honey, you guys, this, mommy's not trying to come back. Mommy's gone. Mommy's gone. And he, and he said that the children took it very, very hard, mommy being gone. Now, here's why. You have a wife that does everything, husbands miss them. Thank you. She cooks all the food, cleans the house, over, you know, does everything. That's the husband that goes, I miss her. Not always. I think I'll miss mine, even though I do help clean the house sometimes and cook and cook. So he went home and he got to grieving and he died of a heart attack. He said he felt like somebody took a sword and shoved it right through his chest and he died instantly of a heart attack. He said an angel came and, 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 and grabbed him and says, we, let's go home. And he looked down and saw his body, and he said, don't worry about it now. It's just, let's go. And took him to the North Pole, and he says, we got in a shaft, and off to heaven we went. And he says, I stepped through the pearly gates, and he says, and I saw David there, King David, and, and hugged him and said, hey, King David. And then he says, um, I want to see my wife. And the angel said, well, that's why you're here. She has requested to talk to you, and Jesus has answered her prayer. And so the angel took him to her mansion. And he said, oh, it was huge. He said, we call it a mansion. This thing was magnificent. And he says he walked up the steps and, and the doors opened and his wife was standing there. And she said, don't touch me. You're still of the earth. You will not be here long, but I needed to talk to you. Now, you tell our children to stop grieving. I'm more alive now than I've ever been. And you tell them they have a call of God on their life, and they are to fulfill the call. Now, you go back, and you tell the kids to stop their crying over me, and you too. And then she closed the door and, and went back in her house. And he says, I turned around and walked down the street and I saw an old woman who was the cleaning lady in the church. He says, I saw her mansion. It was huge. And he says, I want to see mine. Now, he's a pastor. So the angel said, well, took him down the road and went. It was a little house. He said, what's this? He said, that's your mansion. And it didn't have a roof. He said, why does my house not have a roof? He said, well, Jesus turns your deeds into building materials and you don't have much. And he goes, I can't live in that next to my wife. I'm a pastor. That's why I work so hard. I can't have Lisa living in a big mansion while I live in a little shack next down the street. So, so he turned to the angel and said, what do I do? And he says, well, you better go back now because they're fixing to put your body in the ground. So he says the angel brought him back to the earth and he was standing by his body and they were washing his corpse. And the angel shoved him and said, jump in the mouth. And he shoved him and he jumped in his mouth and he opened his eyes and said, hey, and everybody left the room. I mean, they whoa, exited the morgue, baby. And this guy comes back from the dead and he says, I've got to go talk to Pastor Cho. 
He walks in there and he says, I got to tell you something. You got to give me some work to do. He says, I got to get busy for Jesus. Now, I never forgot that. Folks, are y'all okay? There's a lot more to this than we have ever talked about. And we've, we don't talk about what you're, we talk about now so much. We don't talk about the day you die. We don't talk about the millennial reign. We don't talk about what you're going to be doing and not doing. But I'm convinced there's Christians. There is nothing, there's no reward at all. They've done, I, I know people, they haven't changed any since the day they got saved. If they didn't tell you they were saved, you wouldn't know it. You don't call them up and ask them to do anything in church because you ain't even going to get them on the phone. I'm being serious. And then we got people that, that they're at every meeting, they help, they love God. Yes. You have a meeting, they, they show up and say, we'll help you with the banquet. Come on, we're going to set up some tables. What do you think happens to that money? What do you think happens when those Jews get saved? That's on your account. Yes. Yes. What do you think we're trying to do? When, when, whenever in this church, whenever kids get saved, it's on your account. You don't want to go to a dead church. Go to a live one. If nothing's happened, get out of there. What do you think happens when we go overseas and people get saved? That's on your account. You sent me. What happens when people like Rosa go down to Honduras and all that happens? That's on y'all's account. You gave to it. You supported the church. They got a record of that. You really want a good pastor who spends your money well. We spent a bunch of money on the playground and the basketball court. But that's a big deal. Kids are a big deal to God. Now, how many of y'all think, I think I'm going to kick it up a notch? Yeah, I am. Now, I'm going to tell on me. You know, after 30 years of pastoring, you kind of look forward to the day where you slow up a little bit. And I start slowing up a little bit, just a little bit, just a little bit. Spirit of God goes, oh, I go, no, no, I've been doing this a long time. And I'm going to tell you one thing that we're doing. Justin and I are taking a lot of my stories and turning them into books. There's some stuff that I, that I need to, I need to write some books. I'm not a writer. No, I ain't sitting down with no, I tried to write. The only person in here that can read my scribble scrabble is Betty Lowe's. And it is as close to tongues as you can get. I mean, it's just scribble scrabble. Because I write fast, I think fast, and I can't, my hand can't keep up with it. And I write in shorthand, and I, I, I leave letters out of, because you have to. You take notes, you've got, to, you got to have your shorthand. Well, she can read it. She's done it for as long as she's like, I said, can you read this? She goes, I got it. And I'm going, oh, God. I said, that's good because I don't even know what I wrote. (laughs) But I'm not a writer. But I've avoided it for years. Mark Hankins and I were having lunch one day and he said, you need to write a book. I said, I know it. Well, ain't nobody paying me to write a book. My paycheck don't change. Let me tell you all something else I do. Y'all ready? I'm going to tell you some stuff I do you don't know. In the school I go to, Rama. Let me have some tissue. We have pastors in this state. They're not, pastors don't always do so good. Y'all know that? Where do they go when they get in trouble? They don't get anywhere to go. They don't have anybody to talk to. 
And you know what region they gave me? The north. The pastors I watch over live in Jacksonville. Oh, that's a long ways to drive to have lunch with somebody. Well, I was just up there last week. And then I was over in Live Oak near Gainesville two days before that, having lunch with pastors, praying for them, ministering to them, encouraging them on, getting to know them, help them out. Well, I don't, my paycheck, they ain't giving me nothing. And my paycheck, I looked at my paycheck, it was the same thing it was when I got back as it was when I left. And I got 91,000 miles on that truck out there, fixing to get worse. My next one, I'm gonna get a, I gotta get another truck one day because I'm wearing this one out. Are y'all out there? Did you go home? I'm still a Christian. Just, I mean, I, I could just show up and preach on Sunday morning, Wednesday, and nobody know it but me and God. But, but the day, but the Bama seat, I'd just be sitting back there. They'd be calling Betty May up, giving her an award for praying for me for years. They'd call Shirley up and give her an award and call Lisa up for putting up with me. But I'd be sitting out there all by myself. At the end of the ceremony, everybody go, well, you didn't go up. And I go, yeah, I know. I never did nothing except preach a sermon. No, I ain't living like that. I'm not living like that. I still share Jesus everywhere I go. When I was, when I was the president of the Alliance, they didn't give me no money to put up with no Baptist preacher. I joke because we have some ex-Baptists in the church and Catholics. I'm telling you the truth. Some of these preachers help them, Jesus. But they need love. They need encouraging. Love on them. Believe in them. Lay hands on them. Pray for them. Watch God use them. I've had some of them in here. I'm talking denominational preachers. I didn't ever tell you about them. Got them filled with the Holy Ghost. I had one came in here. I got him off of pornography. Amen. Someone said, what do you do all day? You, you don't want to follow me around. And why do, you, why do I do it? I got to stand before God one day. Amen. Come on. Now, I, I, I'm, not, I'm not Benny Hinn. He didn't ask me to be. I'm not Kenneth Hagin. He didn't ask me to be. I don't have to answer for a ministry he didn't give me, but I'm going to answer for the one he gave me. You're going to answer for your life. You and I are going to give give an account of it. And and are y'all okay? Because I know this is getting heavy. I think it's time for us to start thinking about this. Here's good news. You're still alive. You, you, You may be sitting here going, man, I screwed up. Well, that's yesterday. He said, I'm doing a new thing. You, you, you can go out with a blaze. You can go home and go, you know what? I think I'm about to change some things I'm doing. It's a beautiful thing. It's just, I, love, I love walking with God. I love pastoring now. That's because all the bad people left. Not really. They're still here. I just love them. How many of y'all go, I think I'm going to make making some changes. Yes. Y'all remember me telling the story of the, of the nuts and the bolts? Now, I'm going to tell it quickly. I'm not going to bore you with a nut and a bolt and a washer. But that Jesus gave me that story right after I got born again about the old man that owned a hardware store and he had no children. 
and he put a sign in the window and a help wanted sign and every day when a little boy came and he took him in the back room and made him empty a bucket a, a barrel of nuts and bolts and washers and a silver dollar was in the bottom of the of the barrel the old man placed the silver dollar there on purpose because he wanted to see what the boy was going to do with the money he told me he says one boy took the money and went downtown and became popular the other boy took the silver dollar home for a rainy day and one of them handed the, the dollar back to the old man and the old man looked at him and said one day I'm going to die I have no children would you like to take this store when I die which one used the money wisely the third little boy and he said to me you have one life to live give it to God give it to God I wouldn't trade my life for anything I left Athens Georgia live in that little house God's taken me around the world I've had the joy of preaching in tents with 5,000 people I preached in Russia 500 people come forward and get born again prayed for a boy in the Bahamas that drowned and a year later his mind was clear and he was normal tell you story after story of people's lives and I'm not done yet you ready to pray Father God I got up this morning and was excited about the sermon and excited about the church and excited about the future of this church I think our best days are ahead I think we all have some decisions to make every one of us in this room including myself We've got to remind ourselves that one day we're going to give an account of our life. We're going to answer for what we know. We'll answer for what we did. I pray that every one of us will be called up in the front. I hear we'll hear, well done, good and faithful servant. If there's someone in here right now who's not living right, I'm, I pray for grace and mercy on them. Take their life and wash it in the blood of Jesus as they turn back to you and put you first. And just like that pastor who came home, no roof. Maybe there's something more important that we don't think about a mansion. But there is a day of reckoning, a day of rewards. And I pray that every one of us would walk in heaven with rewards to our name. Now, there's, it's, it's not a matter of how big it is. It's a matter of obedience, Father. If there's people here that are not obeying, they're living for themselves. I'm asking you to touch your heart today. That they'll turn and stop living for just themselves. Start living for you. And get on the path that you died to give them. You have a path for them to walk. You have a destiny for them and they need to get in the middle of it. Get off of their path and get on yours. And I give you thanks for that, sir. Hey, thank you for allowing me to come in here and minister the word to you. It's a big deal to me. For you to show up just showing up i pray that that what you hear in this church has changed you i pray you grow you realize that all of us in this room we will know each other forever that's pretty big that's pretty big forever i mean a thousand years we we're we're going to be somewhere doing something and we're going to be friends forever
Don't wait for eternity. Don't wait till you die to start obeying God. And start right now. Amen. Thank you for listening to this powerful message by Pastor Daryl Morgan. We hope it blesses you. If you would like more info on Word of Life, sermons, and free downloads, please go to wordoflifeapopka.com. Thank you and have a blessed day.